Cheers, y'all. Welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program known as Smoking and Toasting. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Show number 135 is here, and our special guest today, Mr. Matt Booth from Room 101 Cigars. You so, know what I love about doing the uh, the uh, podcast in the actual studio? Yeah? I don't have to have pants on. Yeah, that's a good thing about, like, well, there's any time you can manage to do part of your job, whatever your job is, sans pants. It's always that's, a good that's thing. Pretty nice. That's always a good thing. <laughs> I uh, I was thinking uh, actually as I was uh, driving in, uh, to the show today that you know the the little show up in the well 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 accomplishes several different things. Uh, definitely lets you know the show has started, whether you it, love it or hate it. Right? It establishes a party. It establishes, like in my head, yeah. it, like you can't go in like after you do that. It's already like at this level. You right, can't walk. Right. You can't sneak into it after that. And then the other thing that I've noticed is it it's. A good way for us, for you and I, when we have a guest on the show, to know if they know anything about the show or not. That's right. <laughs> because I noticed last week, because we had Jared Hempstead from Balcones right. Whiskey was on, and as soon as I went into the well, 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 you could see him smile like he knew what was going on. <laughs> Clearly, he had actually right, watched right. or listened to the show before, right? But every now and then we'll get a guest on, and I go into the well, well, and they get this look of terror They're on like, their what face, is like happening here. What have I agreed to do here on the uh, uh, on the radio? So, uh, so anyway, it's it's always uh, nice to to know that our guest. Already knows a little bit about the show. Then, then I feel like maybe we terrorized them. Just Jared a was less. a lot of fun last week. Jared was great, and was boy, was that whiskey delicious! Oh yeah, I have been enjoying the uh, single malt uh, all week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been it has been absolutely wonderful, and uh, and you, I think, are oh, I the ended same up about the ride, didn't you? Ride. Yeah, it was just yeah. amazing, and my yeah. wife loves it, which means mm-hmm. it's going to go twice as fast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <clears throat> we are brought to you, by the way, by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and by B and B Lemon across the street from the B and B Houston location. We were at B and B Lemon a couple of weeks ago, and uh, with any luck, by the way, the plan at least uh, it's a week away, but the plan is that we would be. Uh, Upstairs on the back patio at B and B next week. We haven't been upstairs in a while. Talking be, rum, be a nice drinking uh, some fine stuff, smoking some cigars, smoking and cigars. hanging out with our boy, our our uh, our good friend Jeremiah. So we're excited about that. Plus, Jeremiah, just in case you're uh, you're listening, Ian and I are coming to see you this weekend. That's right. We have big plans. That's right. <laughs> big plans. Eating, eating. Drinking and bacon will be involved. So, <laughs> uh, so we got a lot going on in the show today. Uh, uh, Matt Booth from Room One Hundred One Cigars, one of the you know more colorful and interesting uh, personalities in the cigar world, uh, will be joining us. Uh, it'll be uh, via the interview that we did with him at the um, at the Houston Whiskey Social just a couple of weeks he ago. He was he was just a little outrageous, we, wasn't he? We got a chance to sit down with him. Let me just I'll just say this as a teaser: he really liked Ian. A lot. <laughs> Matt Booth likes bears. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make that so, a shirt. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, yeah. So th- anyway, but uh, it was a lot of fun talking tobacco with him and and uh, uh, getting some information about what's going on. And certainly, Room One Hundred One has really become a thing. And of course, he took some time off, you know, uh, from doing cigars, and then ca- sort of came back to the fold. But he's right. uh, his brand, you know, is about more than just 
the tobacco, he does jewelry, and he does other things. So it'll be fun to talk with him, talk with him about what all of that is uh, is about. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, uh, I, I think I think this is I think this is going to be really interesting. Pairing craft beer with Easter peeps. With Easter peeps. Yes. I'm not sure why you would want to do that, but with Good Friday <laughs> and Easter, Easter on the peeps? way. Uh, you know, uh, a very good friend of mine is she, they're one of her favorite things in the world, but what she does, because she's weird, she uh, buys the package, right? And then she pokes holes in the package so the Easter peeps become slightly stale and a little crusty on the outside. And that's when she eats them. That's how she likes See, them. I think Nilla wafers yeah. are best when they're just a little bit stale. Interesting. Too. Yeah. I think Nilla wafers are best when they're in a banana pudding. But that's just that's just <laughs> my, just you know. A little bit stale. Yeah, you can tell delicious. I grew up in the South. Uh, what's going on in the celeb spirit world? Sammy Hagar has a new tequila. And Bob Dylan's whiskey distillery is adding a performance venue and it's going to open next year so we'll tell you about oh, uh, wow. about those things in the world of he's of really celebrity turning spirits. that into something yeah he's, he's, he's doing his best and you know we we reviewed a bottle of the straight uh the straight whiskey here on the show and it really it was, was quite good, good. Yeah. yeah i mean it wasn't wasn't my favorite i've ever tasted but it well, certainly didn't have that let's put it this way out of all celebrity whiskeys yeah i mean come on that, yeah that's, right that's one of the top out of it these was, celebrity branded It was better whiskeys. than Conor McGregor's, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I could whip some up in the, uh, during the next break and it'd be better than Conor McGregor's. A lot of so. plastic bottles are better than the Conor McGregor's. <laughs> yes, <one>. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to be trying some great things on the show today, uh, or we hope they'll be great. Eighth Wonder from right here in our hometown mm-hmm. of Houston, Fun uh, Brewery. Uh, they you can actually out, see Eighth Wonder from your patio. From, yes, which that's is a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing about it is sometimes I go out to the patio in the evening and I go, oh, that looks like, should I, should I go over there? Should I have The answer is probably yes. Probably yes, yeah. Eighth Wonder has, uh, has kicked off uh, what I believe is a series. It's their H-Town Hip Hop series. And today we'll be trying Brew GK. Nice. Which obviously is a, an ode to UGK, right? Right, right. And a uh, Houston-based hip-hop act, of course, of, of some notoriety over the past uh, couple of decades. Uh, but Brew GK is an Apple Kolsch. From uh, from Eighth Wonder, so we'll be trying that. You might want to put that. You in know, they actually started can. a line of uh, uh, of uh, gin and vodka as well. You know, uh, we're seeing that from a lot of breweries mm-hmm. branching out into the distilling, and we're seeing some of the distilleries branching out into craft brewing. So and their, their vodka is called vodka flavored vodka. I like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great idea, even though <laughs> vodka, vodka doesn't fair. really have a distinct flavor. And my wife couldn't stop herself when we were there. We bought some of their hopped gin. Oh, and what did you think of that? It's interesting. We should have it on the show. Oh, we totally should do that. You have to bring that in in a, uh, mm-hmm. in a future episode. That'll be good. Uh, also on the program today, Odell Brewing. These guys um, have released this this seasonal, one of my favorite IPAs in the world now, this seasonal uh, one that we tried several shows back, which was the Wolf Picker IPA. Mm-hmm. I've been loving that and enjoying more of it than I really should. They've now released a uh, limited edition Imperial Peach IPA called Tree Shaker. We'll be sampling that on the show today. And then, Ian, I think you're going to just absolutely absolutely be like right, right totally down like four flat tires and the spare for the final beer of the show today, which is Firestone Walker's 2019 Sukaba Vintage. It's a barley wine oh, ale. Yeah. It's a one-year only. And uh, I've had Firestone some of the Sukabas before. And Firestone yeah. Walker can do no wrong, as we know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And a Dos Ron Solera 16 Años 
Rum will be uh, on the program today. So a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff. This show's downright adventurous. It really is. Between- I was expecting it to be more hoppy since it's the you know Easter season. Well, you know that's that's the obvious <laughs> joke to go for, and uh, and so and so that's why we didn't go. But <laughs> but we'll be trying this apple coast. In fact. Why don't we just why don't we just try it now? You want to just you yeah, want to just break down because I figure this one's probably best as cold as it can be, right? So, just go ahead and try it now, and then afterwards oh, you can yeah. tell me about. Uh, uh, you know what I like about this already is it's in a can, so there's no UV. <laughs> See, um, I knew you were going here. I knew issues it. At I knew all. it. It's I nice it. and sealed. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about. Well, hopefully you would want an apple colch to be very fresh. So I think so. Um, so this is Brew GK. So it'll be interesting. As far, uh, to the best of my knowledge, this is the first uh, in the uh, H Town Hip Hop series. Maybe show that uh, back to the camera. But oh, uh, it smells like it, it does, smells like apple. It's interesting. It's it not says, a real bitter apple smell. Kolsch style beer brewed with apple juice. It says uh, brewed and canned by Eighth Wonder Brewery, and uh, it's five point seven percent. And that's about all we know about the Brew GK. Uh, Ian, maybe you can. Uh, oh. Put it on Put the uh, back over on, on the beer on the cam. Beer yeah. rotation. Yes. Stand here. Let's, You'll let's have to fire do. it up. It's high tech rotation. Yeah, and that's the sparkly music that you should have <laughs> for any for any beer cam uh, rotation. So, uh, so it's basically just a Kolsch brewed with apple juice. That's they don't tell us a lot about it other than that's what it is. All right, I'm waiting to see what you think of it because I'm is, picking up. You, you know, smell the apple. Yeah, I'm picking up a little bit of apple on the nose, but mostly it just smells like a, a Kolsch, basically. Yeah. Uh, mm. It's but it smells like a sweet apple, like a red apple, not like a like I was expecting more of a, a green oh, apple right. kind of smell. You're right, which would be more tart, and this mm-hmm. is more like the red apple, which is that. Well, you know, it's it's like the apple pie, although this doesn't have that sugariness of an apple pie to it. But uh, what I find on the taste, and what's interesting too, is this is this is a very viscous Kolsch. For for what for it Kolsch, is because yes. Kolsch is usually a very light mouthfeel. Yes, um, but what I find interesting is it tastes like a nice Kolsch with a hint of apple, but like apple, like if you ever peeled the apples and ate the peel, yes, it's like right next to the peel kind mm-hmm. of thing. So mm-hmm. it's a little more on the bitter side, but it has that real fresh uh, red apple kind of flavor to it, which is funny because it's actually brewed with um, apple juice. Right from it instead of actually the you apples. Know, I really think this is going to be a big trend this summer, um, uh, and already is really these lighter beers, um, Kolsch's. I think we're going to see uh, the Goza swing back around for a big, uh, you know, for a big uh, summer. The light beers. We had the Fireman's Four Light on the show last week and really enjoyed that. Um, to me, this is. Kind of in that same category, very refreshing. I think very it's light. a. I think it's an interesting Kolsch with a hint of apple. I think mm-hmm. that would be the best way to describe this. Um, because in the in the in the bulk of the in the bulk of the palate, I'm not getting a lot of that apple. But when I you know in the aftertaste on the finish, yeah. on the finish there's definitely a little bit of that. I bet this would be great on draft, like uh, really cold. Yeah, yeah, on draft, you know. I'm actually wondering. I wonder if I, I get more apple if I let it warm up a little bit too. Mm. That's also possible. You might want to try that. You might want to try that. I'm going to prep one for later. As has been think. your, uh, as has been your practice of the past. Well, there weeks. are certain beers that you know. Mm-hmm. You know that they'll be fine no matter what you do. Well, you might you might get a feel for that flavor warming up a little bit. Right. Uh, you know, you might get a feel for the apple. Well, a cold more, does tend to mask flavors. So, uh, mm. uh, you know, yes, I, but it makes it so delicious and refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Brian put on here. By the way. 
pairing craft beer with peeps. Step one, open beer. Step two, throw peeps away. <laughs> Step three, drink beer. <laughs> I like it. I, 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 I'm not sure why you would want to pair craft beer with with peeps, but you know, there was a you know has. there was a meme I saw last year that was like how to enjoy a pumpkin beer, and that was. Step one, open beer. Step two, pour down drain. <laughs> Step three, open good beer. Yeah, but you know, some people really like pumpkin beers, and you know, I always have at least one every fall. You know what I mean? And we've had some on the show here that have been pretty good. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah. agreed. I, I find some of them are a little too much, but so, we had we had that one that tasted like the crust that was so good. That was from, yes, I remember that. Mm. Where was that one? That one was from like uh, uh, towards Galveston somewhere. It I was believe like that's correct. Highland or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, it was really good. It was delicious. So uh, Ian, tell me, did you uh, smoke anything interesting this week? Let me think about that. Yes, I okay. did. I smoked. Um, let me pull it up so I can remember the name of it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I had all my notes on it, and my notes have evaporated, so apparently I didn't save them. Well, but, um, yeah, that would be. A thing. But that's okay because I do have a memory, and I use it once in a long while. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I had a uh, Curavari Aristoteles. I think really? that's how you say Curavari Aristoteles. Eros Aristoteles Aristoteles. I, think I don't know how to say this, but um, Aristotle, Aristotle. I'm going to go with Aristotle. Okay, so this was the uh, <laughs> this was the uh, oh, hold on. So, and that, see, that's the problem is I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was the Metaphysica, the Metaphysica. Uh, cigar. Okay, Metaphysica cigar. So, um, I a friend of mine actually, I met up, I met up with him on Monday, and um, I can't smoke in my vehicle anymore. Oh yes. So I stopped on the way home at the cigar shop, and mm-hmm. me and him went and found a coffee shop and smoked outside. Nice, nice. And that was all right. So I, uh, he he recommended. He's like, "This is a good cigar." So I picked it up, and uh, I, I sat and smoked that cigar last night. <clears throat> and uh, the the appearance on this cigar was uh, a bit rustic. It was a bit veiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not a real smooth looking cigar. It was pretty uh, in a very natural leaf kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about a medium brown in color. Uh, the construction was nice. It was uh, it was firm but not too firm. I used a punch on it, and the uh, the draw was awesome. The draw was really nice. It was perfect. Um, the pre light. Uh, the prelate draw on this was nice and easy. It had lots of uh, lots of uh, leather and cedar and 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 hay and mm-hmm. kind of barnyard kind of like tobacco and barnyard kind of flavors are really really nice in there. Um, when you say barnyard, this is a positive flavor. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's uh, a aroma, right? I don't really know how to describe it without saying the word manure, but there's a slight. Which has a negative connotation. Yeah, yeah, I don't because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't smell but there's, like. You know. But there's a richness. Well, think about. Peat. But there's a richness I mean, to the right. soil that's like that. Or peat has. Peat that is kind based of on decomposition. Yeah, but, right, right, right. But there's still something about right. that aroma that is. Enjoyable. Well, there's a very distinct. If you've ever been on a farm that's had animals, whether it's mm-hmm. horses or mm-hmm. whatever, it's a very distinct smell. It's that rich soil plus the manure plus everything else. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and the hay and everything else going on, and that's what I call barnyard. And it's it's to me, you know, uh, it's it's a really nice smell. It's like it's like mm-hmm. it takes you to a place, it's sort of earthiness and, and fresh, it's not, right? Yeah, and even though I say you know it has some of that manure smell in it, it's not a it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just mm-hmm. it's a natural smell. Right um, now, I would want you know. My face in a pile of manure or anything to smell that or anything, but mm-hmm. you get the idea. It has yeah, a yeah. Bit of it. No, so it. anyway, it has some of that barnyard, barnyard and kind of uh, hay kind of smells and things like that. That really, really was pleasant. A lot of leather and a lot of cedar going on. The initial light on this, 
Um, it had a very mild initial light. Like a lot of them are very peppery at the beginning. This had mm-hmm. a very, very light amount of pepper uh, in the initial light. It had a lot of like dank hay mm-hmm. kind of flavors, tangy hay kind of flavors that were really nice. Um, it had a lot of leather, like like that fresh right, leather right. smell. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of cedar uh, going on. Those were the real primary things that I uh, that I uh, went through the flavor the uh, the first third of the cigar um maintain kind of the same thing like uh there's a little tiny tiny bit of pepper in the back but just enough to be interesting that tangy hay was really up front in the first third of this the uh the uh the leather and and other flavors as well were just kind of sneaking around there and then i started picking up like a little bit of oak astringency to it like dryness mm-hmm, to the end like mm-hmm. you get in a good like dry cab or something right right like that. dry wine yeah um and at this point in time, I decided to go do a whiskey sniff. So I went inside, and my Hudson Four Grain won on that one, mm, nice. which which is actually a very complex whiskey. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so uh, I, I had that with it, and it paired absolutely wonderful, and it actually brought out that cedar and oak substantially. So at this point in time, I'm not sure if the cigar was influencing the whiskey more than the whiskey influencing the cigar, but it really brought out the cedar and oak in the uh, nice. in the cigar, which was fantastic flavors. Um, uh, the burn was perfect. The first ash I let go a little too long. Of course, it fell right on me because well, I'm dumb like that. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was wary. Like usually, by the time the first ash falls on me, I know how long to let the second ash go. Um, but uh, anyway, the burn was fantastic on it. The the cigar drew great the whole time. Those nice big flavors. This was not like the smokiest cigar I've ever had. You know, I like I like cigars that have mm-hmm. big. Big, like, silky smoke. Kind right, of thing. Right. This was not one of those, but, man, the flavors were so good. All through the second third of this cigar, the the woody flavors were really, really standing out. Um, when I got to the last third of the cigar, again, the burn was just outstanding on this thing. The burn was perfect. The draw was perfect the entire way through. Construction was great. The last third of the cigar started ramping up. That tangy uh, hay started getting really, really... Uh, prominent, and then started picking up some pepper flavors in in the back, kind of a sweet uh, and uh, like a sweet spiciness to mm-hmm. it that just kind of lingered around the back of the palate, you know, like the outside edges mm-hmm. of the tongue back here. Um, and that was really nice too. At this point in time, I went in t- uh, for another whiskey sniff, and oddly enough, my Woodford Reserve got it this time. Nice, and yeah, not bad, right? <laughs> and uh You're doing all right. Yeah. And, and it seemed like this cigar was a bit of a whiskey chameleon. Like you could just I, I felt like you could almost put any whiskey with it. And mm-hmm. and the flavors in this cigar would just kinda like, depending on what the whiskey tasted like, would almost just like adjust, adjust themselves, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, go, that's very oh, cool. well you got that kind of whiskey, so you're gonna taste this now. And to me, the last bit of that cigar was a little more of that sweet spice. Um, and 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 tangy hay with a uh, with a little of the pepperiness, mm-hmm. and uh, but it also had a little bit of a fruitiness kind of underlying the last bit. I smoked that cigar till it was burning my fingers. I got to tell you, I give it a five and a half to a six. I think nice. it was in the neighborhood of an eight dollar cigar. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot to look that up. I put it on my uh, put it on my list, but obviously I didn't save it. But I will tell you, if this and frankly, if it was a ten dollar cigar. I still get a five, easy. You nice. get everything you're looking for. You get a nice, complex cigar. It was a smaller shape. If it was a bigger shape for that same size, might have gotten a little higher. Uh, it's a great cigar. How about you? Awesome. I uh, tried something that I saw had been rated very highly, the Villager 
uh, Le Flor de Inclan, uh, the Robusto. Uh, La Flor de Inclan, which is Y-N-C-L-A-N. So I I've seen I'm, that. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Medium brown cigar, a little bit rustic, but nice looking. Uh, it comes wrapped in an Ecuadorian wrapper. It has Nicaraguan and Dominican fillers. Uh, the pre-light uh, was earthy with a little hint of sweetness. Uh, so I used a V-cut and I lit it up. And there was this... Nice burst of pepper in the beginning. Big, but not overwhelming. I, uh, it, you know, smoked it just a bit. It settled down after about a half an inch uh, or so. However, from the beginning, it didn't seem like the wrapper wanted to burn right. You ever have that happen? Where it's mm. like, you know, maybe the interior of the cigar is burned okay, but the wrapper... Does it like, like it, it kind of separates and burns yeah, on its yeah, own time? Yes, I've yes, had that. Yes, yeah, exactly. That. Um, now, I had just... I, I want to... Uh, you know, I, point I'm, out. I'm looking at the picture that you have on there, and I yeah. have to tell you, the end of it, the the foot of the cigar mm-hmm. where you light it, looks a little on the dry side just well, in the picture. Okay, so let me tell you about the cigar. Bought it from a local, you know, uh, brick and mortar uh-huh. re- uh, uh, retailer, a reputable retailer, uh, very mm-hmm. reputable. Had tons of good cigars there, um, and I brought it home, put it right into my humidor. It was there for three days before I smoked it. Okay, so it should have been properly humidified uh-huh. at the tobacconist, and it should have been properly humidified right. in my humidor. In fact, I've smoked other cigars out of that same humidor this same week. So if the uh, the problem should not have been my humidor or the place that I bought it, I can right, say right, with, right. with with fairly good uh, um, you know with fairly good uh, uh, assurance. Um, as you can see in the pictures, though, this burn was weird and uneven from the very beginning. What seemed like an issue with the wrapper. I touched it up several times trying to even out the burn, but without much luck. Now, there was some nice flavor, the floral notes, uh, white pepper, some creaminess, but it burned too hot. And mm. so this harshness started to kind of yeah. replace that creaminess as it smoked. Um, once I took the band off, the wrapper cracked. Oh. And uh, then, you know, the experience went pretty much downhill. Uh. So um, I've been smoking some Nica Libres, a $3 cigar, from out of the very same humidor over, the past, uh, over this past week. Uh, and even with a bit, a little bit of wind on my patio, these have all smoked perfectly with no burn issues. All right, I need I need I, to put this. I, I wish put, I could say put this out to our customers right now mm-hmm. and to you. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see Nico Libres on sale, please let me know. Yeah, I, I don't oh. sit and check the the yes. site. So if you're one of those people, please let me know. Yeah, yeah. that is an outstanding cigar, and especially mm-hmm. for three dollars, that is a killer cigar. It really is. And like I said, all the oh, that burn is I've terrible. Had a, I've had a couple of those this week and it has uh it has all been good. Um even with a little bit of wind on the patio, no burn issues. I wish I could say the same for the villager. I did some research. <laughs> this cigar Ian recently got a 93 rating. It was named by one magazine the number 10 cigar of 2017. Wow. This villager La Flor de Inclán. I don't know what to say. My so, experience was the opposite. And so, so, the, so that the the listeners can understand too, there's a bit of a delay between when uh, the video actually comes out and when we're talking about. Right, it. So right. That that will that will explain a little bit why I'm seeing some of these pictures a little. You're later. seeing some of the burn pictures, but uh, yeah. but that is 
Well, there you're seeing what I'm seeing on my that display looks like, now. That looks like you put one of those little loads in there and let us yeah, scare someone and yeah. pow. And trust me, like, I, I worked on tending this. Oh, and my it was goodness. bad until I took the band off, and then when I took the band off, the band off it went from bad to impossible. Well, finish, finish your review, and i got something to, well, uh, something to add. Uh, for the number 10 cigar of 2017, I have to tell you, my experience was just the opposite. And this is a 10 to $11 cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm comparing it to a $3 Nica Libre. Sorry, Villager. Price to quality 3.5. Ow. Wah, wah, wah. Well, I mean, you can look at the pictures and yeah, see, no, and I it's can like, see that. It's like, and you know what? I'd even be willing to admit maybe I didn't humidify it properly or maybe I bought it from a bad batch, but I bought other cigars on that same right, trip right. and they've smoked fine. So I can't find any excuse really for right, the cigar right. to have just, been bad uh, so so here's the thing like uh half wheel charlie over at half wheel those guys um when they review a cigar they always smoke three of them mm-hmm. which i think is is really really smart now we we're a little more lax about it. we're just trying to give you an experience that this we're is having. what happened with this cigar this is what smoked, happened yep. with the cigar but i will tell you like and we gave we've given some cigars you know a few chances um i will tell you that i think that's a better way to review because there is times where you may get the bad one it happens. I, you know? I get it. I get it. Uh, this is cigar rolling is not a science. It's an art. No, I mean, it's an art. Very there's much, some very science much. to it, but it really is an art form. So, right. So occasionally you're going to get one that just doesn't come out as good. It's, it's just like uh, you know, just like a great basketball player is going to occasionally have a, have a bad game. Right. You know, it, it's right. it's just the way it's going to happen. So, so I just I just want to point out that that if it rated that high, it's probably worth a second try at some point. But that's see, a little tough when you're see, spending ten bucks. Yes, per. it really is. Mm-hmm. Once once you top eight bucks, it's a Tough and I did not happen to smoke this cigar this week, so I did not actually happen to buy you one. Well, that's interesting <laughs> because the last time I had this sort of a uh, of an issue, that's what happened. That's exactly yeah. what happened. When and you ended up smoking three. We ended up between the two of us. We ended up smoking three total. And you gave the same cigar an eight. I gave it a high, high review because yes. it was outstanding. Yeah, our price so. to quality uh, scale, just for those who are. Uh, you know, maybe catching the show for the first time. Uh, if we give something a five, it means you get exactly what you paid yes. for. And so a five is a good rating. Anything above a five is a great rating. Anything below a five means, yeah, you didn't get what you paid for. So a three and a half. Yeah, it might still be a decent cigar, but this well, one was not, though. That's all construction. There was some flavor, but the construction Yeah, but you, you also yeah. said the flavor was actually pretty good until it got too yeah, hot. until it got too hot. And then the, and then the construction yeah. not only ruined the smoking experience, but ruined the flavor as well. Right, so, right. So, sorry, uh, Villager, maybe I will try you again. The ha- it, for it to get that kind of rave reviews, there has to be something going on. So. Yeah, I mean, send us one. Let's uh, talk yeah, about it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, we want to talk in our next segment to uh, Matt Booth. He's with Room 101 Cigars. Uh, this is a segment that we actually did at the um, at the big event, the uh, Houston Whiskey Social, uh, where we had such a good time. But it was fun talking to Matt, so we'll present that to you uh, next, talking tobacco with Matt Booth from Room 101. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting at show number 135. Our program is brought to you by B&B Lemon, a wonderful 
uh, pub with a uh, with a great pub menu and uh, some really amazing cocktails. Uh, it's located right across the street from uh, uh, from B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and uh, then you'll find B and B Butchers mm-hmm. and Restaurant in the shops at Clear. Go see Chastity behind the bar there, well. Lemon. Yeah, she is she outstanding. Can, she can make some cocktails. Yeah, uh, she's, she's so fun. Really, really good at it. So, all right, uh, want to say uh, big props to our buddies. Um, um, Chris uh, Christopher Hart and uh, Alan Denny. Wait, who? Uh, well, no one cares about no, no those guys. Yeah, uh, but the, but they were part of an event that clearly a lot of people cared about. The Houston Whiskey Social uh, that they put together was was really quite a success. And, you see what happens uh, to my face. When I you know say you Houston just break into a smile it when was I so say fun. It. it was fun, and we had a good time. We had a, a chance to obviously sample a lot of great things and smoke some cigars, and we had a, a chance to catch up there with Matt Booth. From Room 101, who actually worked with uh, with Chris, uh, who mm-hmm. no one cares about, uh, to put together a uh, really cool little uh, uh, cigar. Houston Whiskey mm-hmm. Social Cigar, yes, yeah. Yes, and so we'll talk a little bit uh, about that, plus with what's going on now at Room 101 with uh, the very interesting and colorful Matt Booth. All right, Smoking a Toast and Live, we are at the Houston Whiskey Social, and uh, boy, it's amazing the people you run into here. Uh, Matt Booth from Room 101 is here. Matt, it is a pleasure to meet you in person. It's my honor. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, from a uh, you know from the service mm-hmm. to being a jewelry maker, that's correct. To being a cigar blender and uh, and sort of a brand master, I guess of room one. How do you make those transitions from one to the other? The other. That's a lot yeah. of things. Going well, on. the original philosophy behind Room One Hundred One was to create a brand that was akin to uh, a traditional European luxury lifestyle collection. So, for example, the Dunhill of 1920 by 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So I call the style techno retro. It's, it's traditional craft product uh, with modern stylization. Uh, stylization and technique uh, implemented whenever and wherever it doesn't pervert the, the craft basis of the product but enhances it. That's the nature of what we do at Room 101. So you're making jewelry. You decide cigars are... Doing, am I doing right? Doing right? Awesome. So nervous. So you're making so you're making jewelry. You just do you decide cigars are next? Did well, you did you already know anything about blending cigars? At so that point? I enjoyed I enjoyed smoking cigars, and I and I definitely felt that cigars were um, the way to consume tobacco in terms of uh, what what was in line with my brand's philosophy. Right. So mm-hmm. a cigarette is really an injection system for nicotine. Uh, and, and a cigar is a way to properly enjoy tobacco, in my opinion. So, you know, I had begun making a smoker's accessory collection in sterling silver, lighter housings, and, and modifying some cigar cutters, uh, Zycar cutters and whatnot. Um, and the opportunity to work on creating a cigar uh, materialized for me, and I took it. Man, the and the rest is history. The style on the in cigar the bands is so, is so awesome, so attractive to me, too. Like... Do you do the art yourself? Do you have an artist do that? What do you have? Uh, it's a, it's a mixture. Um, you know, a lot of the early Room 101 artwork was uh, hand drawn by a, a dear friend of mine as a tattoo artist. Uh, it's almost a Mayan kind of influence to some of the older uh, bands and stuff like that. Yeah, well, there was a, there was an Asian influence. Uh, Asian. A lot of, a lot of artwork and sculptural work that I saw uh, when deployed in in Japan. Uh, inspired some early jewelry designs in my collection, and then the, the, they they were very iconic. They're very. They're very. They were very no, no, iconic. you're the one. You're the one talking. It goes like oh, this. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just. I, I got carried away. 
Hey, do you want, I'm sorry. Do want, or should I hold it? How do you want to do this? It, it How do you feel more comfortable? It looks more rock star when you're holding it. You, you think? Yeah. That actually. I can't. I can't. I, I'm going to give you 20 minutes to quit that. All right. <laughs> and I'm. I'm going to. You see. Say you see, I'm not super comfortable telling you how that made me feel. Another satisfied customer <laughs> right here. No, uh, so, so uh, the idea with those designs is that they would, in 2D, communicate um, the, 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 the source material of my, my original uh, jewelry designs. And like the foo, the icon, it's the, the protective mm -hmm. character, an Okinawan shishi dog. That was one of our original house marks. And, and uh, later came the cherry blossom logo. Um, so all of the artwork that's associated with my products is all uh, done by hand because there's, uh, in my opinion, there's something that's perfectly imperfect about the touch of the human hand. Yeah, it's <laughs> 20 minutes. You, yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> touch of the human it's, hand. It's really intricate, too. Like, when you look close at the, the labels that you have out, they're, they're incredibly intricate. It's, it's, it's more intricate than almost any other cigar label I've seen. Wow, thanks, man. Those are big words. Okay. I was, I was a little flabbergasted when you started touching my hand. I get it. <laughs> okay, you pulled it together, though. Noted. He's good. Profe like he's a pro. He's good like that. He's a that. pro. You took, uh, you took some time off uh, recently from doing uh, cigars and then jumped kind of like headfirst back in, came with, new, with a new blend. Um, did, you, did you know you were coming back in when you took the time off, or did you go out, clear your head, and decide, I really want to be doing what I was doing? You know, it was really time to, to recalibrate and reset for me and get back to um, some of the core components of the industry and the craft that initially made me, caused me to fall in love with it, you know. And so that was the purpose of that break. Mm -hmm. And did it work the way you wanted it to? It did. Good. It did. Good. Um, so I, I want to ask you about two blends. Uh, first, the farce, mm. which uh, seems to... I want to call it your crowning achievement. Would you? Uh, would you? Not the farce. Farce. Okay. So I want to call it your crowning achievement. In fact, that's why I put the in front of it because it just okay. seems like uh, a, a sort of a royal thing. Um, where did this uh, blend come from? What's? Uh, uh, what can you tell me about it? So farce was a very interesting project because it was something that was more complex uh, in construction and composition than anything that I had ever made previously. And, I, you know, many times I've been asked uh, by fans of our brand and, and friends, you know, when am I going to get back to doing stuff um, that, that's similar to what I was doing five, six years ago, you know. And although we might have some throwback projects in the works, the purpose uh, or the sentiment behind farce was to show... Uh, what we're capable of today in terms of blending and composition, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So it's a very complex brand, um, blend, branded blend, blended. A blended, blended brand. brand. Wow. <laughs> My English is not working today. Um, but it is, that's what I love about it is the complexity of the cigar. It's just, yeah. it really mm -hmm. just kind of keeps unfolding as you smoke it. And I love no, it. No, true, true. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, and that was the, the hope to achieve with that, and I, I think we did. Uh, tell me about this. Is it? Would you call it a micro blend, a micro yeah. batch uh, that you've done with Stogies in Houston and with uh, uh, Chris Hart and the guys from the Houston Bourbon Society? Yes. So, so our micro batch program is just that. It's uh, there are things that are done in extremely uh, small numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's bespoke. 
you know, it's right. the best way I could describe it. And they tried uh, the blend that I made for Stogies for uh, an event last year. Uh, and they were very much enamored with the blend and asked if we could do something similar for their their event here. So I was, I was honored to do so. When you uh, do blends like that, uh, the micro batch, is this something that, are you using maybe something that you can only find in small quantities in terms of some of the tobacco that you source? Yeah, you know, a lot of them are made with, uh, you know, entrails of components from multiple productions that could never see the light of day in any other uh, scale because we simply don't have the materials mm -hmm. um, or, any, or any combination of, of limitation on, on production. So, Matt Booth from Room 101. Um, Matt, I think of you as part of the... The sort of the. Do you think of me? I do, and I think of you. Uh, well, probably far too much. Probably more than you'd be comfortable with knowing. <laughs> That's because of the beard thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I think of you as uh, part of what I would call like sort of the new guard, uh, the new guard of of cigar blenders, and uh, there's so many of the newer uh, boutique brands that have done things like like you've done. Do you think that the, the new guard, as I would call them, do you think this has been a really good thing for the cigar industry? Does it, uh, would you worry at all about our maybe moving to all these new styles and new blends and new ways of doing art and all of this that are not necessarily in the more traditional uh, cigar making way? Well, you know, the reality is, is the craft is the same and the style is different, you know, and uh, a person like myself that was not generationally vested in the craft is going to have a, a tremendously different approach and direction to the way they compose a cigar versus a traditionalist. You know, the cigars may be built the same way. I mean, you would hope that they're built as a true premium product. Um, but the personality, uh, your personality, if you're genuinely vested in what you're doing, it can't help but to sing through in the in the end result, right? So, yeah. and, and I think the true magic is when uh, someone like myself and a traditionalist get together. For example, the factories we work with, you know, they're guys that are very much so in the box of, of tradition, uh, mm -hmm. generation to generation in their family, and you both challenge each other in a very hot, uh, healthy and positive fashion. Um, and the end result is unlike uh, what either one of you could have ever accomplished on your own. Well, the cigar, for example, that you did with uh, AJ Fernandez, that is a wonderful collaboration, just a, a completely different, in, in my mind, from what AJ would do on his own or from what you've released so far for, uh, for Room 101. I agree. I agree completely. And that's, and that's a great example. Yeah. Uh, we sure appreciate you taking a couple of minutes with us. We want to invite you to come back and, uh, and be a guest on the show. When we can sit down, you can talk to us about things in, in, more, uh, in more depth. Uh, but I did want to ask you before we let you go, is there anything coming down the pike, anything you can tell us about uh, future projects that are okay to talk about? We have various projects in various stages of development that we cannot I un about. And I understand that. That's what I'm saying. Is there anything you can tell us? Uh, just that there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff coming from Room 101 this year and some in the very near future. So I definitely think that this is, uh, you know, with the relaunch and, and retooling of our business, so much has gone on in the last two years, but this is really, uh, this is truly our year. So you'll see... You'll see a good deal coming from us. Yeah, it's, it's all very exciting. Ian, anything else uh, you wanted to ask? I just wanted to say I appreciate the cigar being brought out as a stylistic commodity on top of everything else. I think that's pretty awesome. I think it is awesome. Yep. Thanks, man.
Matt Booth from Room 101, thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes on Smoking and Toasting with us. My we honor. appreciate it. Please continue, uh, please continue to do what you're doing because you're making great stuff. Thank you. And shake Ian's hand. Oh. <laughs> Don't want to leave a brother hanging. It's Smoking and Toasting live at the Houston Whiskey Social. All right. Well, thank you to Matt Booth. That uh, a, a very interesting interview, and and I think you got a kick out of sitting next to him, didn't you? I th- I think he had a lot of fun with uh, that. I, as well. I think he did. That's uh, that's <laughs> very cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll be trying Odell Brewing's the Tree Shaker. It's an imperial. Actually, it's just called Tree Shaker, but I like to put the in front of the, it, as you know. Uh, the Tree Shaker Imperial Peach IPA uh, plus. Pairing craft beer with Easter peeps is going to happen. Uh, we'll tell you how to do it coming up next. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Uh, the program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Also by B&B Lemon right across the street from the Houston location. Ian, you had set aside from earlier in the show uh, the Apple Kolsch, uh, the Brew GK from, uh, um, from Eighth Wonder in Houston. Uh, you wanted to let it warm up and see what you got. What do you think? Uh, it's actually still drinkable. Um it- on See, some I think later cold beers, is something you want really cold. Yeah, generally speaking, uh, it's still drinkable. It gets a little more uh, astringent and a, a touch mm-hmm. more bitter, but you definitely pick up more of the apple in there too. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a lot. It's still not you know a ton of apple, uh, but I, I would say this this stands up even warm. Interesting. Oddly enough, yeah, yeah. For a Kolsch, I, I, it surprised me. I actually thought you weren't going to like it at all if it warmed up. Uh, no, I you know it's got it's still got nice flavor to it, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes sometimes when beers warm up, and and macro brews are famous for this, like when they warm up, they uh, they just get this bitter mm-hmm. harshness to yes. it that just is terrible and like undrinkable. It may be that that's when the weed killer uh, really yeah when you really get to the weed killer flavor the, uh, right right yeah I realize it's not on the ingredient label or whatever but, they use to cold activate the can yeah right. Or, there's got to be something that makes those cans turn color. Think about it. It's inside your can, working against your taste buds right now. But uh, uh, you know, but uh, but this one stands up, and I and I truly believe if a if a beer has good flavor to begin with, uh, it's not that you should prefer it warm necessarily, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it should at least stand up and have good flavor. Still evident when it's like that. If you have to have it ice cold to mask the flavors, I think you have an inferior product. Right. So this is one of the reasons I always, you know, like on beers like this especially, I try them a little warm just to see what the flavors do. It's interesting to me. Yeah, uh, agreed. I just, I'm just a cold beer guy. That's why I like a beer better. Don't get me wrong. I drink most of it cold, and I'll settle aside a little bit to try Mm -hmm. it later. Yeah, no, but I like your idea, and it's interesting that that holds up actually warm uh, for a cold. That's that's pretty impressive. Well, uh, we are uh, bound. We are Easter bound. Easter is uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Good Friday is tomorrow. And uh, Easter, by the way, uh, is the second biggest candy holiday behind, of course, Halloween, which mm-hmm. is the biggest candy holiday. But Easter, with its uh, you know baskets of eggs and lots of candy involved in that, there's always lots of Easter candy for sale at the store. And then right after Easter, lots of half-price Easter candy uh, available to buy. So uh, I don't know if, if you are a candy person. I'm not 
hugely a candy person. I'm more of a chips and hot sauce person than a candy person. Mm-hmm. I appreciate something uh, something sweet every once in a while. And um, if you are looking at lots of Easter candy in your in your pantry and are wondering what to pair it with, including those peeps. Here you go. We're gonna run down. Gonna run this down for you. Okay. Um, I don't know why you'd want to pair peeps with your favorite craft beer, but if you do, here's uh, here's what to do. Jay Brooks is a celebrated beer author. He explored recently the rights and wrongs of matching craft beer to candy. He started simple with an old-fashioned classic of Americana junk food, the chocolate bunny. Uh, this historic candy, he says, is the easiest to pair with beer. He says, eat your chocolate bunnies while drinking a raspberry lambic. Raspberry and chocolate are a match made in heaven. Mm, so, I can see that happening. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Framboise. Yep, absolutely. Uh, if you're eating cream eggs, he suggests drinking a light-bodied beer, like a, a vice beer or a wit beer or an American wheat beer or maybe a Helles. He says, uh, on the other hand, a cream stout or milk stout might work nicely, too, because of the milkshake notes that they Those have. Those Cadbury cream eggs, Yeah, um, they are absolutely delicious. Yeah. Um, but they will destroy your palate to the point where you can't taste any sweet in anything for like a while. Well, maybe they'd be good then with like they a, will a make milk a stout. Mountain Dew taste like Perrier. <laughs> like it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I uh, he writes that um, uh, jelly beans are the toughest to pair because they come in so many different There's too flavors. Many flavors. Right? Yeah, he says uh, uh, you know they're good for experimentation, but can lead to um, you know, a lot of disastrous uh, combinations. So, um, jelly beans, you may just want to, like, leave that out altogether. Finally, <laughs> Peeps. He says pair Peeps with bourbon barrel-aged beers. Yeah, You know, it's easy to find, you know, very boozy bourbon barrel-aged. Think about that. A beer like the last one we're going to try today, which is the uh, hey, uh, the uh, Firestone Walker uh, 2019 Sukaba Vintage. We're going to try that. Imagine that with Did Peeps. you bring Peeps? I did not. Okay. I did not. It's I, a good thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So Peeps to me, like, who actually, does anybody mm-hmm. out there actually eat Peeps? Uh, I know people who do, yes. Like, I, I always thought Peeps were a lot like, like, uh, like candy corn. See, I like candy corn. Oh, what? I don't you like, are so I don't weird. Like, I don't like peeps, but I, like I had candy this. Corn. I had this. I, I had. I have this uncle. He's such a wonderful guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my uncle would always tell us when we were little kids. He'd come over, like I'm gonna bring you a hundred dollars worth of candy. We used to, you know, crack up. That was just his thing. And then he'd bring us these circus peanuts. <laughs> remember those big, <laughs> those puffy, are, those awful, awful, terrible? Yes, things. those are like one of the worst candies ever. Uh, uh, those are, those we are, never held that against them. Those are in but line circus with peeps. peanuts are not good. Yeah, no, they're just not delicious. <laughs> I know. Delicious I know. Also, my <laughs> one my aunt's going to watch this and she's going to laugh. But yeah, so um, so yeah, peeps though. Like, why? That's yeah. so terrible. Well, maybe maybe like my. Do you still Gwen. like when you when you eat the candy corns? Do you still break the tip off and go? Ah, I broke my tooth and. <laughs> No, I haven't. I haven't done that in quite some time. But thanks for the reminder. Maybe this Halloween, I will. This is such an incredibly authentic sound. Yeah, I know. It sounded just like someone opening a can of beer. That's amazing it? how you do that. Amazing how it can be created like that. Uh, we have this uh, this very high tech uh, sound effects creation program here uh, on the show. Uh, I am pouring, and I'll give this to Ian to. Uh, to uh, display in the beer cam uh, momentarily, uh, but I am pouring Odell's uh, Seasonal, which is their tree shaker. It's an imperial IPA, so it's going to have a fairly high, uh, 
ABV says it's brewed with local peaches. Because who would want peaches from another neighborhood over? Um, it's an imperial Especially IPA. Especially if you're going to the country. That has roots. <laughs> I got gonna, it. I totally got it. And you're going to eat a lot of yeah, peaches. Yeah. I couldn't stop myself from finishing that. I'm sorry. Uh, the best line in that song is, peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man. <laughs> That's the best line in that story. Um, uh, it says here uh, that this Imperial IPA has its roots in Colorado. Familiar citrusy hop notes balanced with sweet local peaches uh, give the style a playful uh, little shake. I love Odell Brewing out of Fort Collins, Colorado. I think they are a, uh, they're just I Their 90 shilling is such wonderfully a adventurous. Yes. Great scotch. And I, I mentioned earlier the uh, mm. uh, uh, the Wolfpicker IPA. Yeah. It's one of my absolute uh, Absolute favorites. I'm actually looking for an ABV uh, 8.0, 8.0, 8% mm-hmm. alcohol uh, by volume. And I'll let you go ahead and show that to the I will the, tell uh, you um, the, the camera. This, let, me, let me turn on the machine here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, very nicely done. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, um, so your thoughts? Uh, I will tell you, it, it tastes a little bit boozy. Yeah, kind of does. Uh, well, and, at 8.0. And it's in a good way. Like I I like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I like barley wines and mm-hmm. and big stouts and porters. I obviously like boozy beers. I'm trying to impress you. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. The 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 flavor profile on this is really nice. It uh it goes down nice and smooth. It's not harsh, it's not bitter. It does leave a nice um like a uh, uh, bitter uh, aftertaste, but in a nice mm-hmm. way. Uh, but almost more like an ESB. Well, sort of a hop bitter, like an ESB, yes. Yeah, more absolutely. like an ESB does, not like a, an overly hopped uh, IPA does. It is very boozy for an IPA. It is very boozy yeah. for an IPA. Yeah. And it's also a little malt forward for an IPA mm-hmm. on the first, uh, on the initial uh, palate. The peach is not overwhelming, but it is definitely there. No, the peach is something that uh, in this particular beer that you go, hmm, what is that? And when someone says peaches, you go, ah. Yes, yes, very well right, said. Right, that's, that's, very well said. it's, it's, it's well done like that, and once you taste it and you know what you're tasting, it's very obvious. But before that, it's not as it's not a big sweet, you know, uh, peach flavor. It's almost like right next to the uh, right next to the pit kind of peach flavor. It's got it's got some of that sweetness. But so let me ask you a marketing question. Okay, I was young. I needed the money. Good, good to know. Uh, close your eyes for a moment, and now imagine that I had poured this in your uh, cup there out of a bomber. And that I told you it was seventeen ninety nine at my uh, at my downtown specs. Now take a drink of it and tell me, would that, as opposed to it coming out of a can that you can buy in a six pack, um, would that change your feeling about it in any way? Your expectations for it? Does, uh, you I'm, know, I'm wondering, I does marketing think, work? You know. So I, honestly, I don't think. Uh, I'd be unhappy with this if you were sharing it like that, and that's the mm-hmm. way it came. I would say this is a really nice offering. I think if they're making a beer this good that they're putting in a can and just tossing out there, says something about the company. I mean, you're right because you this know. is a more quote unquote normal release. Even though I know it's a limited time release, right, right. But, but this isn't something where they're going, "Hey, this is among the most you know wildly crafted yeah. things we're doing. And right? I think though, here's so here's one of the marketing issues with that because a lot of people go for a lot of those special edition mm-hmm. uh those 
special edition releases and those kind of things. I wonder if the people that go for those kind of special editions and pay the you know nineteen to twenty six dollars for a bomber mm-hmm. would pass this over because it does look a little passe because it's in their standard right, marketing their, package. Yeah, right, it looks very much like their normal and, line of beers. And you know the only way to know that this isn't one of their normal beers is when you turn the beer around. It says. Limited, right. right there it is. Yeah, the, but it's not like a huge, uh, you know, banner flying around the top of the of the can or anything. It's right, just right. There's nothing the, about this that says limited release except for that little tiny thing. So uh, the question is this: does it uh, does it uh, does it work in the opposite way? Because I, frankly, if you can get something this good just out of a can, I mean, like to me, something that's available most of the time like this that is this kind of good. I mean, I go for that. If this were something they were putting out, uh, it says you know. limited, not seasonal. Right. But if I knew this was coming out next year, uh, you know, in the spring, I'd be like, ooh, is that Odell out yet? Yeah, this is something I'd be waiting for. Right, you know? right. Uh, sort of like you and I are about, you know, the uh, um, Oktoberfest from Oktoberfest uh, uh, from and there's St. Arnold. Springbok, which and the Springbok, which I had one of this week and is awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm terrific. trying to snap up the last few uh, six packs of that that I can uh, find out there. So if you see one, you know, I'm just I'm just saying my birthday's at the end of the month. Gotcha, gotcha. Matter of fact, it's in, what's going in, in about a yeah. week. Yeah, we're going out you know. to we're doing a little dinner for your birthday. Just saying. Coming just up. Saying. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to recommend this pretty highly. In fact, and here's what I don't remember. I don't remember if it comes in four packs or six packs, but either way, uh I I'm going to tell you if you're this is not a juicy IPA, by the way. No. It's not, that's not the style of it at all. Uh-uh. It's definitely an imperial, got the booziness to it, no. and uh, and the, just that hint of peach. Like Ian said, if you're going, what is that flavor? And somebody said peach, you'd be like, right. Yeah. That's that's the the degree to which it's peachy. But it's it's just delicious. But it starts also as a little more malt-forward IPA, mm-hmm. which, which is a little more unusual now, day and age. And I'm guessing you're going to want to set a little bit of this aside and drink it slightly. I am. I had a feeling because I'll probably enjoy this as much or better. I kind of know how you. I kind (laughs) of know how you operate. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to taste some rum. As a matter of fact, uh, this is not the world's most creative rum name, but it's called Dos Ron, and I have a feeling it's because there's two guys named Ron that uh, that are responsible for uh, this brand and for doing the distilling. And uh, did you translate that yourself? I did. Dos Ron. I worked really, really hard on it. Actually, Ron means rum, right? But there's, well, I'll show you on the label. There's two guys in the silhouette, right? So I'm thinking, okay, they're both Ron. This is this is my investigative reporting. If I'm not, glad you, they are now. They are now. <laughs> both of them are named Ron. Uh, this is the Solera uh, 16 Años. It's uh, aged for 16 years. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm really excited about uh, you being able to try this. I'll tell you why. Uh, coming up also, uh, the celebs have been busy. Sammy Hagar has a new tequila. Remember, he was responsible for Cabo Wabo. Cabo Wabo, yeah. Uh, yeah, which, by the way, I I don't know whether they've changed the formula on it. I have not had it in a long time, but for many years that was a that Cabo Wabo Reposado was a go to for me as nice. a tequila guy. Uh, so uh, he has a new one. He sold Cabo Wabo a long time ago. Uh, the and, Red Rocker. Yeah, and Bob Dylan, by the way, has a whiskey which came out last year. We reviewed uh, one of the iterations here on the show, mm-hmm. and he is now um, uh, building this distillery, which will be a um, 
uh, you know, sort of a tourist attraction, uh, a thing for people to come and visit, and it's going to have a performance space and live music. Hey, if anybody out there knows Bob Dylan, tell them to send us whiskey to try. Yeah, that's right. We, we've only been able to try one yeah, of the iterations one. so far. So, All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It is uh, Smoking and Toast, and thank you for hanging out with us. <coughs> yeah, really? Welcome back to Smuggin' and Toastin'. It is so nice to have you guys uh, on with us as we do show number 135. Uh, our conversation with Matt Booth uh, from Room 101 Cigars. We're brought to you by uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Avenue in Houston in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. By the way, just wanted to mention before you pop the top on this, uh, that little uh, bumper music we use there is from The Suffers, a very, very good band based in Houston, Texas, uh, that I've, we've been to see, all of us have been to see uh, uh, several times. Um, really love these guys. They're awesome. They were uh, playing a show in Dallas earlier this week. Someone uh, broke into their trailer, stole all their equipment. Oh, and no. it's one of those things you hear about it happening to touring bands every once in a while. And I'm just so bummed for those guys. So uh, go to their website. I believe it's thesuffers.com or .net. Um, and I'm sure there'll be something there if you want to like be able to get involved and you know donate a few bucks to awards, helping them wow, restock their equipment. Because they're still a young band. I mean, They've been doing this for a while, but it's not they're not like superstars on the level where they right. can just go, oh, have the boys bring around some more instruments. Yeah, you know, it it's not gonna be way. like that. Yeah. So uh so anyway, that's a uh uh, that's a bummer, but we want to encourage you to support them because they're awesome. So uh all right. Ian is about to pop the top on Dos Ron. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, we got a good <laughs> one out of that. Uh, that awesome. I like Do you like the much. scrunchy sounds right yeah, before? The it scrunchy came is great. So Dosran, uh, this is a rum that I will admit that I picked up uh, because I was looking for one that we hadn't tried. And uh, it was one of that, a handful that, that we hadn't tried. That does tend to narrow the yes. uh, No, it does. Uh, because the selection. You know, we've tried a number of – and there's not as many rums on my store shelf uh, as there are, uh, let's say, uh, whiskeys. There's, you know, oh, I thought you were going to oh. say there's not as many rums on your store shelf as there are at your bar at well, home. Well, that, that could also be true. Although, <laughs> although so, so here's the thing. So I bought this bottle of Dos Ron, and um, – I, I uh, took it home, uh, bought it with the intention, of course, of bringing it uh, onto the show. And it's Dos Ram uh, Carlos Morfa is the uh, one who's quoted here. He says, I dedicate this rum to my father and to your excellent taste. Uh, it is 16 years, uh, aged 16 years, handcrafted in the Dominican Republic. And if you wouldn't mind, Ian, maybe showing that to the uh, beer well, cam, which so is no, now no, we're not going to put it on the beer can. We're gonna, go ahead, go ahead. We're going to transform it into a rum gam. Yes. But I want if you back it up so people can see the illustration. Oh, that's good. Uh, perfect. So you back it up just a touch, and people can see the. There you go. Can see the illustration. Yeah. There are clearly uh, silhouettes of two guys in that in that circle, right? Uh, so yes. I'm assuming those guys are both named Ron, and that's why the rum is called Dos Ron. But Ron, I believe, is uh, actually means rum in Spanish. So I don't know if it means two rums. I don't know. I, maybe someone can. Can can help me out with this. I didn't find a lot of information about uh, Dos Ron. However, I bought this bottle. Uh, I bought I bet about a month ago, and uh, and I brought it home, and it just turned out we had 
a lot of guests lined up on the show uh, who were bringing, you know, whiskey or we were live at B&B Lemon doing, uh, uh, you know, doing cocktails. So we didn't have need for me to bring anything from the home bar onto the show for uh, a while. And sometimes I get impatient and want to try something. So um, I opened this bottle up. My wife and I tried something. Um, this became my wife's new favorite rum. And she, uh, she, you know, not only enjoyed some of it herself, but anybody that came over, she was like, "Oh, you got to try this rum." I had to go back and buy another bottle to bring on the show. So, uh, if if uh, you are not a fan of a buttery vanilla mm-hmm. and and slightly astringent fresh cane sugar flavor, mm-hmm. then you'll absolutely hate this rum. Well, what if you do like those things? If you like this. If you like those things, this is it is incredible, incredibly buttery vanilla. It really like, is. Like it, it is so very flavor so forward, smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how when you have something with 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 a big pad of butter on it, it just kind of coats the tongue, mm-hmm. and that that buttery flavor lingers there. This like does if you had a that. really a really buttery like biscuit or yeah, piece of bread yeah, that just really bread, had yeah, that, like, yeah. Yeah, it, this leaves your tongue with that butteriness and and a little sweet. And um, if you've ever had fresh uh, sugar cane, like if you ever chewed mm-hmm. on a piece of sugar cane, there's a little astringency to it. It's got it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a little woodiness to it that, that this also has, and it's very good. Um, and what's funny is a 16 year old and that cane sugar <coughs> tastes super fresh in here. Yeah, it really does. Um, uh, and and I wanted to point out that the heat is almost like. Three, four, five seconds after way you swallow, back there, right? Way, way back. Yeah, it's not just like heat on the finish. Yeah. It's like the finish. You go, wow, that was good. And then here comes you a little a bit of heat. Whole secondary to, idea to let you to know, about. yeah, to let you know that you just had uh, a um, rum. It's got a lot of oiliness to the mm-hmm. to the mouthfeel, which mm-hmm. I like as well because that just helps spread that flavor around a whole mm-hmm. bunch. Um, this is uh, this is fun. It's got fun flavors. It's it's a mellow flavor, but it's not dark flavors. Um, the flavors in this are a little brighter than you'd expect. Yes, overall. I agree. A lot of times with rum, you're thinking about those darker, uh, more mm-hmm. you know, uh, more barrel well, aged. You know, type I flavors. think I think rum. I think there's a lot of brown sugar flavors in here, which this doesn't have as mm. much as that uh, brown sugar that you expect. Agreed. This it's more like the pure sugar cane. That vanilla and that sugar cane mm-hmm. are so, so like, and they're so stark. Uh, sometimes it's harder to to divide the two flavors because they're blending so well. These are actually very separate yes, and stark. Agreed. And I agreed. bet, I bet this with a little bit of ice, uh, like once it gets cold mm-hmm. and a little bit of mm-hmm. water in it just becomes absolutely amazing this is the most aged uh uh expression of the dose run i've seen i think they have one that is an eight year or a ten year mm-hmm. as well have not tried that but this is uh so the other interesting thing is it i i didn't get this on the front of the palate it actually took me this many sips to figure this out you know how a lot of spiced rums like if you've ever had goslings or mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of those that are very like now, this is very spice spiced rum. rums. Yeah, this is not uh, a spice when you rum, open though. it. You have that spicy rum flavor right mm-hmm. there in your face. This um, gives you a little bit of that back on the very end of it. At the and and it took a few sips and it took a little bit of build up with the aftertaste and the heat coming yes. back to where on the retro hail I get a little mm-hmm. bit of that kind of traditional spiced rum flavor. Now this is not a spiced rum. 
But there's a little bit of that happening kind of in the, yeah, the retro hill. I hear you. That that's really interesting as well. I'm also after several sips picking up a little bit of banana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And molasses are coming mm-hmm. up a little mm-hmm. bit, but not as not as heavy as you'd expect. Well, this is uh this has gone into rotation at uh, the home bar. I can tell you this. I can definitely see that happening. This is mm-hmm. this is uh quite the enjoyment. Yes. Very, very nice. And a little uh a little bit uh Easy, almost too easy to drink. Almost too easy to drink. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I knew immediately when I tasted it that my wife would like it. It tastes a bit like she loves the plantation pineapple. This reminds me a bit of that, but without the pineapple in. Right. Right. You know, um, almost more so than the regular plantation. Also, is. as smooth as this is, I can see why you put it in front of our last beer, which is a barley wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. wondering about that, and I was going to mm-hmm. mention it at the end of the last segment when you said, mm-hmm. we're going to try the rum next. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. The barley wine, and I've not tried it, but it, it could obscure all things that went before it. Well, the, it's entirely possible. the Firestone Walker, uh, <laughs> their barley wines are, are legendary. They're yes, they so are. good. Yeah, and even though they're primarily known for their IPAs, for luponic distortion yeah. and, and uh, some of the other things, and also very... Very well known for that. Uh, what is it? 805. Oh, so good. Love that. Talk about so lighter good. beers yeah. coming to the fore. Yeah, absolutely. That beer is all the rage in California. Yep. All the rage. Uh, so Sammy Hagar has released details of his new tequila, which he created in partnership with uh, TV chef Guy Fieri. And it's going to be launched next month, and it is called Santo Frito Blanco. Now, Guy Fieri is one of those guys, and I know you don't watch so much TV, but Guy Fieri is one of those guys, people either love him or hate him. Like, he's that guy. He's... he's you know, a little loud, it's little funny boisterous. you say that because I think he's okay. Yeah, I, I kind of like him myself, but some people just think he's like totally not a I've chef. I've eaten at actually a few of his restaurants. And? Outstanding. Well, there you go. I like flavor, and he's big into flavor. The braised so that, rib. I that like does it. it for me. Yeah. Oh, man. That does it for me. Well, he's hooked up with Sammy Hagar. Uh, Guy, uh, Sammy says, has always been a tequila lover, and so he approached Sammy about creating a tequila together. It was perfect timing. Uh, and they have made what they call an old-world-style tequila with 100% blue Weber uh, agave. There are a few things I know, great food, killer drinks, and wild times, Guy Fieri said. And Sammy and I are making it happen with Los Santo. So uh, looking forward to uh, – th- by the way, um, Sammy's longtime distiller collaborator – Juan Eduardo Nunez, uh, who selected the uh, agave plants in uh, in the Jalisco Highlands of Mexico that go into this, he's the guy that helped him do Cabo Wabo, and he's the guy that helped him do the rum that uh, Sammy mm-hmm. has out now as well. So, uh, so it seems like maybe they're in good hands. I know some people are really, you know, not into the whole celebrity, you know, celebrity thing, but uh, but you know, Sammy was doing that with tequila way before every celebrity. Sammy was way ahead way of before the every celebrity had a thing. So yep. uh, so we're going to g- at least give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, Bob Dylan, I was surprised that Bob Dylan was doing a whiskey. To be honest with you, I really was. I, I am. I'm one of those people. The way I am about Dylan is I'm not necessarily a fan, but I acknowledge his genius. That's kind of like, and when I say I'm not necessarily a fan, what I mean by that is I don't generally go home and put his records on. I love Dylan on a song by song basis. Yes, that's and a, good a way lot of, of times mm-hmm. someone else singing his songs. Well, his Nashville uh, whiskey distillery will open next year 
along with an on-site performance venue. Uh, Heaven's Door Spirits LLC is the name of his signature line of whiskeys. They're out already. We've uh, tried one of them on uh, on the show. Uh, I, I did get a kick out of the name. I thought Heaven's Door was pretty funny. Uh, but they're thrilled to announce the uh, celebration of the opening for next year. And it's... Um, uh, it's going to be a, a destination point if you're headed to Nashville. Nice. So, uh, so I, I'm I am really curious actually to try, and it's funny because so this is how I am. Like I'm really curious about trying some of the others, like trying the bourbon or trying you know uh, a couple of the other iterations. But sometimes when I'm standing there in the aisle, uh, like if I'm going to buy a whiskey, it's just really hard for me to go that to buy another Bob Dylan whiskey, right? You know, instead of trying maybe something else that. I haven't tried. So as, as of yet, I haven't gone and, and bought another one to bring in and drink on the show. Maybe you're right. Maybe if anybody knows Bob, they should tell him to Yeah, they should, uh, they should send, send us stuff. Because yeah. the problem is, like, we don't get to try everything. We have to go buy it. Right, right. We and are, that's, not, that's not cheap. You but, know? hey, smoking and toasting, directly influencing sales. Absolutely true. That's the way we like to do it. <laughs> Absolutely right. true. We are going to take another quick break. We'll come back with this barley wine we've been teasing. It is a Firestone Walker 2019 Sukaba Vintage, the barley wine ale from Paso Robles, uh, California. That's coming up, plus 15 fascinating facts about Cohiba, Cohiba Cuban Cohiba cigars. I think 15 fascinating facts 15 featuring Cohiba? 15 fascinating facts, yes. If you can say it really fast, I'll get you a Cohiba. 15 Fascinating Facts Featuring Cohiba. That wasn't fast enough. Oh, uh, we'll be right back. It's Smoking to Justin. <laughs> Isn't that a lovely bed? Agreed. On the beach in Hawaii Welcome back. It's Smokin' and Toastin'. We are so thrilled to have you on board with us for show number 135. Uh, thanks to Matt Booth for being our uh, guest on the program today uh, via the um, Use of Whiskey Social, which we had uh, you know several weeks ago, which we were able to sit down and talk with Matt, and that was awesome. Um, we want to also mention special thanks to our guest from last week, Jared Hempstead from Balcones Whiskey. Jared uh, was a great guest on the show, and he sure brought some great whiskey. Oh, my gosh. Woo-hoo, mm-hmm. All you guys that are regular tuning in, by the way, Brian and uh, Zachary and my wife mm-hmm. and everybody else, man, thank you guys for tuning in. Please share this mm-hmm. out as, as far as you can. We appreciate it. Uh, we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Avenue, Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. We do hope to be there uh, for next week's show. That is the current plan. And I apologize that I didn't kill my phone, so I just killed it now. It's very important that you get that last call for your new uh, your car uh, uh, warranty. Oh, yes, that's right. You know, my car warranty is or, about to expire. Either that or you have been selected by Hilton Suites. Well, listen. <laughs> that's the other one I keep getting. Let me getting. just tell you. And from account services, she calls me regularly. Oh, nice. <laughs> she she so, likes you. Yeah, she likes me. Uh, so, uh, Cohiba, in a few decades, went from being a private label brand for Fidel Castro to becoming the most recognizable sought-after cigar uh, in the world, up there with Dom Perignon Champagne and Patek Philippe watches. Cohiba is now synonymous with luxury goods, and for the most part, uh, according to the article and I'm quoting in Cigar Aficionado, uh, it lives up to the hype, for the most part. Uh, Cuban Cohibas tend to score very well in 
their blind uh, ratings and uh, the uh, Cohiba Beheke BHK 52 was even named the Cigar of the Year in 2010. So here are 15 facts about Cohiba. I knew some of these. Others didn't seem like that big a deal to me. Several I was like, whoa. So I thought I'd share this. Um, the first is that Cohiba actually means tobacco. Uh, it's uh, easy to say, rhythmic almost, and it is the word for tobacco in Teño, the native language of Cuba's indigenous people before the Spanish uh, conquest. So I did not know that. So it actually hmm. means tobacco. So it makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's actually fairly new. As far as Cuban cigar brands go, Cohiba's pretty young. A lot of the Cuban brands you see today were privately owned before the revolution and then subsequently nationalized, but not Cohiba. It was created in 1966 after the revolution, especially for Fidel Castro. So Cohiba itself has nothing to do with old Havana, but it is quite symbolic of Castro's Cuba and an icon of the revolution itself. Cohiba actually happened by accident. This hmm. is fact number three. Uh, the way the story goes, they were uh, these were cigars made for Fidel Castro's chief bodyguard. And on a whim, Castro fell in love with the smoke and ordered more of them, making it uh, his personal cigar of choice. Uh, the next thing is that for many years, you couldn't buy Cohiba. The only way you could get one is if Fidel Castro himself gave you one. Uh, the cigars were selectively doled out as diplomatic gifts to dignitaries, heads of state, or anybody that Castro thought worthy of uh, such a uh, such a splendid smoke. At that time, the mysterious cigar came only in one thin size, the Lancero, the 38-ring-gauge, 7.5 inches long cigar. Isn't that fascinating? Hmm. Our buddy at uh, Stogie's, uh, uh, Jorge, would love that. Yep. He's sure. a fan of the Lanceto. Um, eventually, though, you could buy one. Cohibas didn't become commercially available until 1982, and even then you could only buy them in Spain. Uh, the uh, the uh, They came out in three commercial sizes. Uh, then they came out in four uh, lines. Uh, the core line. Uh, the Siglo series, the Maduro line, called Maduro 5, and the Bahique series, the BHKs. The Siglo series was created to fill a gap. In case you didn't know, by the way, Davidoff started out as a short-lived Cuban brand. Uh, huh. what, what does this have to do with Cohiba? Uh, once Davidoff's production was moved to the Dominican Republic, Cuba had a gap to fill, so the cigar industry came out with the Cohiba Siglo series in 1992. And I like the Siglos. Yeah, the yeah. Siglos are great. Uh, officially called Alinea 1492, the Siglo series of cigars matched some of the sizes previously found in the Davidoff line. So uh, the Siglo 1, for example, is the same size as the former uh, Davidoff Chateau Hopion. Uh, the Siglo 2 and the Siglo 3 and others mirror other uh, Davidoff sizes. They weren't, they so. weren't as imaginative <coughs> on the naming That's of right. the sizes. Uh, Cohiba's mother factory is in El Leguto, which is the big yellow mansion in Havana's uh, leafly Miramar section. Uh, the plantations are secret. Very few tobacco plantations in Cuba produce tobacco that are that is distinct enough to be used for the Cohiba brand, and Habanos uh, tobacco does not say which farms actually make the grade. Hmm. So it is an actual secret which farms the Cohiba tobacco comes from. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was interesting. That is pretty wild. Uh, another fact, you probably smoked a fake. <laughs> you know, Rembrandts are faked. Stradivarius violins are faked. Louis Vuitton handbags are faked. Cohibas uh, are faked. Cohibas are faked, yeah. Because they became such a sought-after luxury pro uh, product, they are more counterfeited than any other cigar brand in the world. Cohiba. 
So the question is, how do you know if you smoke well, a fake? Well, uh, I think you can probably... Uh, I think did, we have an old episode mm, on how to spot a fake. I think we do, as a matter of fact. That's yeah. that's good. And it, by the way, one way you know that you uh, probably didn't smoke a fake, if it knocked your socks off. Yeah. You know, uh, that's uh, that's probably good. <clears throat> the Gohiba name is still in litigation. It's the lawsuit that just won't die. See, General Cigar started selling Dominican Cubas in the U.S. back in the 1980s. And since then, there have been lawsuits, counter-lawsuits, appeals, numerous hearings, contradictory rulings back and forth, and litigation that's gone on for decades. Now, you know when you see the Cohiba, that's the red dot Cohiba, right. that is not the Cuban Cohiba, right. of course. That's the Dominican, or I think now they have a Nicaraguan uh, uh, blend as well. But, Which is uh, also a great cigar. Mm-hmm. Actually, it is. Yeah. A very good cigar. The only thing I don't like about them is mm-hmm. they're expensive. Mm. And by the way, so are Cuban Cohibas. Yeah. Uh, the band design has evolved drastically. It's gone from the simple uh, dots and lettering to today's technologically advanced anti-counterfeit holograms as they try to be a little more proactive about stopping the whole counterfeiting thing. Um, the Cohiba is the only commercialized Cuban cigar with a 60 ring gauge. Uh, when it turned 50 years old in 2016, it was commemorated uh, with a special humidor that sells for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And within that humidor are 50 Cohiba 50 Anniversario cigars, uh, seven inches long with a 60 uh, ring gauge. Ooh, that's a beast of yeah. a cigar. Uh, Cohiba came close in 2014 with the limited edition Robusto Supremo, which was a 58. Uh, but so far, the 50 Anniversario is the only commercialized Cuban uh, to reach a full 60 ring. Uh, finally, two more. Uh, it is uh, Cuba's most expensive brand. Cohibas are by far the most expensive regular production cigars sold around the world. In the UK, a Cohiba Robusto uh, retails for about Thirty-four pounds thirty, or that's about forty-five dollars uh, U.S. Uh, in Canada, that cigar would be around seventy dollars Canadian, which is about fifty-two U.S. Mm. So that's an expensive cigar. That is. Uh, Bahikes are even more. Some prices surpassing a hundred dollars per cigar American in some markets. When and if you can find them. Uh, finally, there are no cheap. Cuban Cohibas. Uh, discount Cohibas do not exist. Demand far outstrips supply, and the wholesale costs of Cohiba are just too high for anybody to offer them at a lower cost. If they're cheaper than usual, they are probably not real. Uh, stop looking for a bargain. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's an exercise in self-delusion, and you'll only get burned and feel foolish in retrospect. Rather than wasting your energy by trying to save a buck, they suggest to try uh, finding a reputable dealer instead. Uh, they suggest the La Casa del Habano franchise shop. So there's your 15 facts about Cohiba. Yeah, my only complaint is the price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. It's 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 really hard. Um, it's really hard to you know to justify. I think the uh, uh, the the price of those when you consider even as good as they are, how many great Nicaraguan cigars or. Uh, uh, Ecuadorian cigars, or, or you know, uh, uh, how many could you buy for that same price? And how much? I will, smoking I will tell you this: one you of the best cigars I've had is a uh, Padron 45th anniversary. Mm, mm. Outstanding cigar, thirty dollars mm-hmm. for a cigar ish, mm-hmm. worth every penny. Amazing! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. thing is amazing. Now, I 
I've smoked two in my life. Right, right. Again, because they're thirty dollars a cigar. <laughs> so, uh, so Ian, let's let's break into this uh, to this final. If beer we can, here. if we can go over to the formally known as the liquor cam, we'll go over to the beer cam. <laughs> it's now a beer cam once right? again, Thank and you it very is much. actually in the process mm-hmm. of of rotating on its incredibly evenly rotating platform, which doesn't look like my fingers turning it from the top out of camera at all. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so. Wow. All right. Ooh, you didn't give me cups. So I, I didn't. just have to drink it out of the bottle. I, I think I think I need uh, I'm falling way behind here. Uh here we go. Let's try this. These are not red solo cups. <laughs> No, they're not. Now, while you're doing that, let me read from the uh, back of the box. Our brewery began, this is Firestone Walker Brewery, in 1996 when we delved into the rare art of fermenting beer in oak barrels. So it's interesting because I think of Firestone Walker as being very uh, IPA-driven, but their brewery began when they started fermenting beer in oak barrels. So the the IPA wasn't the first pass of what they uh, mm-hmm. of what they were doing. Fascinating. Um, so uh, in vessels inherited from bourbon uh, houses and other spirits producers, ever since, the resulting beers have flown under the banner of the Proprietor's Vintage Series, which has become one of the most extensive barrel aging programs in the craft industry. As always, the 2019 Vintage of Sukaba delivers big, boozy bourbons and American oak aromas combined with soft chocolate malt undertones. Complex malt, complex malt flavors are framed in oak with hints of dark chocolate, uh, vanilla, toasted coconut, and a touch of dark cherry. You can cherry. smell this across the room. Mm-hmm. All right. They say it's a beer built to last and one that re- will reward careful cellaring for years to come. We highly recommend counting the years with an abacus. Cellar in a cool, dark place uh, between 45 and 55 degrees. Now, obviously, I didn't sell this at all. I bought it this week. Right, And right. Uh, we're trying it right Which now. Which is probably but- still going to be. I haven't tried it yet, but it's probably still going to be outstanding because I've had a few of their Sabica, uh Sukaba, sorry, Sabica. Sukaba yeah. uh, expressions. I said abacus. That's what threw Ab- you off. Abacus. <laughs> Abacab, right? That's a Genesis song. <laughs> and you know, um, you know where the title came from, by the way, for that song? No. It's about the note progression. A, B, C, B, A, C. Or Abacab. I, I probably didn't do that right because I can't. A, B, A. My, my, I had a brain C, fart. A, B. But Abacab. Yeah. But it's, it's about the note progression. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Uh, Ian, talk to me about one of the most interesting and complex barley wines I've ever tasted. Well, I haven't tried it yet. Um, oh, my goodness. I, I actually ser- tried I'm this before you. savoring this moment. Oh, my goodness. I, well, I've had the uh, Sakaba quite a few times. I've had many expressions. As a matter of fact, I had a 2016 that stayed in my mm-hmm. refrigerator until uh, early or late last year when uh, me and a friend of mine kind of went half and half on it, and, and I told him I'd save it for him. The, I, I find it interesting that um, you said you didn't keep this one as cold as the other ones. It actually says serve at 55 degrees, which is mm. substantially warmer than you would expect a lot of beers to be served yes, at. It, that's that's in even, a neighborhood of like what they suggest Guinness to be served yeah, at. Yeah, it even says here, cellar in a cool, dark place between 45 and 55. Right. So they're they're even recommending that for, uh, for cellaring. So... Um, this is awesome. It really is good. I mean, if this were the first barley wine I ever tasted, <laughs> it would ruin all other barley wines. This is me. what I love about barley wine right yeah. here. This mm-hmm. uh, barley wines are so big, 
and uh, this actually is a little less. Um, in the mouthfeel is not quite as thick as some right, others. Right, a we've little had. less yes. viscous than I would expect uh, overall in the mouthfeel. The mm-hmm. uh, the carbonation is perfect though. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's the right amount of little bubbles uh, just to give it a little interest on the tongue. It dances a little bit and then it's gone. There's a ton of uh, like mashed uh, date flavor going on There's, in this. What I would say about this, uh, and again, you're much more of an expert in this style of beer than I am, but what I like about this better than almost any barley wine I've had, certainly better than any that I can think of at this moment, is the balance of the flavors. There's a lot of barley wines that I've tried. The flavors are great, but the, let's say, the dried fruit flavors will be dominant. And by and dried then, fruit in here, you mean a uh, dark, 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 cherry. dark. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but but those flavors might be really dominant, or you might get a chocolate flavor that's really dominant, or you might get a um, uh, I don't know some of the other um, um, sort of uh, uh, chunkiness <laughs> that will that will come through with the, this. These flavors are so well balanced that none of them leapfrogs the other. You find your palate just kind of taking them all in, like at almost the same level like a really well blended cigar yes imagine this though the very tail end of the the palate on this it tastes like uh an incredible graham cracker crust yes it's been burnt just a slight just just a slight amount the way you like it yeah i mean it's Mm -hmm. this is this is raisin and date and Mm -hmm. malt right up front this is that dark, uh, dark, dark cherry bitterness uh, following up, and a little bit of that burnt graham cracker going on. I mean, and the whole thing is layered with the with the coat of that like powdered chocolate. Now, admittedly, like, it's Ian, so good. Admittedly, I have not tried. Uh, I think you know nearly as much as you have in this particular area, barley wines. But I'm going to tell you, hands down, this is my favorite that I've ever had. And this is not an American-style barley wine. This is definitely an English-style barley wine. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely delicious. Yes. I mean, they I feel like they nailed it with this one. And I can't even imagine, because barley wines are one of the few styles of beer that do improve potentially with age. Yes, with age. So it would be really interesting to see what this would be like down the road a little ways. That's You bought like five bottles for that, right? Oh, no, I bought the one. I've got to go back like on the way home now. <laughs> uh, but it's really, really good. Yes, this is outstanding. It's really, really good. Interestingly enough, though, uh, every time I've had it before, it's been in a bomber, and you bought you brought this uh, twelve ounce bottle well, out. Well, and interesting, I don't know. And if it's we in know. the same packaging that the bomber was yeah, in, except I don't know for if, smaller. It's, I don't know if we showed that to the camera. Or not, Hold on, we, actually, we put uh, it into the beer box cam. I here. was actually walking down the. Uh, the look of uh, the aisleway at Specs where they had the big bombers and saw this at the end of the uh, aisle uh, all by itself. Uh-oh. I think you messed up the camera there, Ian. Did I, I kill something? There we go. Oh, there we're back. Okay. Um, yeah, there you go. I love the fighting bear, too. Yeah. <laughs> the fighting, the fighting bear is bad. awesome. Fighting uh, with the lion. That's fine. Well, and then there's over. both of them right there together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this package I've I've never seen it in a twelve ounce size. I've always seen it in a bomber size, which is substantially taller. Well, I find myself wishing I had bought a bomber today. Man, that uh, is because so we would be good. drinking the rest of it for sure. Mm. Well, Ian, I got to tell you, uh, I'll I'll go on record. That's my favorite uh, barley wine I've ever had. Toasted coconut, I can go with that. That's, yes, you definitely pull that out. I didn't that. pick that up. The oak, what does it say? Oh, Kinsley, you read this earlier. I wasn't paying mm-hmm. attention to you at all. <laughs> yeah, um, as is normal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you're talking. I don't have to listen. Right? Um, oak, 
Hints of dark chocolate, vanilla, toasted coconut, and touch of dark cherry. That dark cherry to me is so good. It's fantastic like, in there. Yeah, it's fantastic. I didn't pick up on the coconut until it well, was boy, mentioned. But boy, I can sure tell now that you mentioned it. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's very impressive, and uh, I, I just can't recommend it highly enough. And again, uh, this is kind of like when you rave about an IPA. Yeah. Me raving about a barley wine is the same. Like, I enjoy it, I appreciate it, but it's not something I always seek out, and I will seek so this out. So good. And I will buy more, and I will enjoy it very, very much. If you need a refrigerator to store it in. Do you need a place? Uh, do you have a place in mind? I have one. Uh, I have a feeling you're, uh, <laughs> you're going to be good. You looking. know, before I got married, I had a friend of mine. Did I did I tell this story before? I went over to his house and he showed me his, he got one of those little mini fridges and it was completely mm-hmm. full of completely full of beer and he was very happy. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he goes, you don't look very excited about that. I was like, well, I'm a bachelor. My beer fridge is this big. <laughs> <laughs> It's just yes. I just call it a fridge. You, that's right. <laughs> I know it is amazing actually how you have to begin to you know ration space for beer in the refrigerator uh, once you get married. It well, is. you know, once I got married, I rationed space for beer in my refrigerator by buying a second refrigerator. You see, you're a smart man. You're a smart man. That's totally the way to do it's it. It's known as the beer refrigerator. And see, I just want to. This will be my last uh, uh, tip for you guys because I believe in trying to do things to help you know people move. You know, move forward in society as best as possible. Uh, if you only have one refrigerator, but you have a place for a second one, Craigslist. Oh yeah, you'll be able to buy a used refrigerator for pennies on the dollar. It will work great, and it will house your beer, and everyone in your family will be happy. It just seems like a good sort of a zen-like place to end the show, don't you think? It does. It really does. Everyone in your family is happy, and you have a refrigerator stocked full of beer. Make sure to uh, uh, find a good place to cellar some of this, though, that's 45 to 55 degrees. Your beer fridge might be a little that's, cold. That's your that. third beer fridge. Yes, that's right. There you go. That's the way to do it. And you can buy one of the little ones for that and keep it, you know, mm-hmm. just or depending on how much you uh, you want to sell them. I want to thank uh, Matt Booth from Room 101 Cigars for being on the show uh, today, uh, for spending time with us at the Houston Whiskey Social and putting that segment together. He was a lot of fun to uh, to hang out with, and uh, I'm excited to see what they have uh, coming out later this year. Oh, um, you're just tasting the IPA again. Yeah, yeah, you? quick quick, uh, quick update. The uh, Tree Shaker Imperial Peach IPA, mm-hmm. I think I like it better warm. Interesting. All right, I'll have to try that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being a part of the show for one. 135 episodes. Unbelievable. And I think we're far enough into the show that our uh, critical review dude maybe isn't watching anymore, so I can say no one has no stepped one has in stopped and stopped it. Yeah. No Nobody. One. And for any of you out there entertaining the thought of uh, donating to my MS150 fund, yes. that will be happening next weekend. Okay. so Next weekend. So we've got one more show before that happens. Yep, yep. And uh, they can also do this by going to the New Potato and ordering beers. Right? Absolutely. You go to new, uh, the New Potato, order any Bell's beer. They'll any give Bell's you a beer. raffle ticket, uh, which gives you a chance to win swag at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And a dollar of your purchase goes into my uh, MS150 fund, which goes towards multiple sclerosis, which is awesome. Thing. Yep, good thing to uh, And I'll uh, repost a link on the uh, we- on the um, uh, Facebook here soon. In, you know how at the end of the show uh, I like to do the, you know, we like to do the cheers? Just yes, sir. To, to, uh, well, my cup is empty of the barley wine, and I was just wondering if you might be able of to Of the barley wine? If you might be able to help me with the cheers. 
How's Johnny going to taste this? If uh, you I know drink you better leave all? a little for him. You better leave a little <laughs> for him. Uh, thank you guys for being a part of the show this week. This has been a fun one. Uh, show number one hundred and thirty-six will most likely be coming to you next week from our uh, our sponsor location, which is B and B in Houston. Have a great week, my friends. Get some of this barley wine, but not until I get a couple of more bottles, just in case it's really uh, uh, really limited. Have a great week. We appreciate you checking out Smoking a Toast, and then uh, cheers, cheers. <laughs> Oh my god, this is good. That is such a good barley.